This episode of Twip Weddings is brought to you by FreshBooks, the super simple cloud accounting software that's giving thousands of freelancers and small businesses the tools to save time billing and get paid faster. Try it free at freshbooks.com weddings. This week on Twip Weddings, getting and staying inspired is something that many creatives struggle with at certain times during their career. Whether it's at the beginning of wedding season when we're all a little bit out of practice, or when we're halfway through wedding season and feeling a little burned out, getting and staying inspired is something most photographers have to deal with. And Brian and I have a little chat about his switch to mirrorless and ask about his experience shooting with Fuji cameras, and we find out if shooting with a mirrorless system has changed his approach to wedding photography. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. My name is Bruce Clark, and once again, I am joined, just solo, by Mr. Brian Capricci this morning. Hey, Brian. Good morning. How's, How's it going? going? It's good. You? I'm doing great. Just you and I hanging yeah. out today. Robert is off somewhere in the world. Wasn't able to join us today. Yeah, or fishing. He might or be off fishing, fishing this today. Is true. Something. So. Yep. <laughs> awesome. So it's just you and I this week. So um, he's, he's going to miss out on a great conversation, unfortunately. But maybe we'll ha- we'll do this again uh, yeah. with Robert in the fray to, to chat about that. But uh, on this week's episode, uh, we're going to talk about how we get and stay inspired uh, with our wedding photography. And you and I are also going to have a little chat about uh, just your experience uh, shooting mirrorless. Yep. I think everybody knows you shoot um, Fuji. And uh, so that might be good to talk about, you know, how shooting with a mirrorless system maybe may, has, may have impacted the way um, you photograph a wedding. So we're going to yep. chat about those topics today. Cool. But before we get into the show, we want to remind our audience how you can participate in the show. We've got several different ways you can interact with us. Uh, first off, visit the website thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. Uh, there you're going to find the show notes for each episode, and those show notes contain the links to everything we mention on the show. Uh, you can also feel free to leave your comments and your feedback for us in the comments section. And we do read those and respond to those. Uh, if you have a question or if you have a suggestion of a topic you'd like us to talk about on a future episode, we welcome those as well. Just uh, click on the Contact Us link at the top of the page. And then select Twip Weddings to make sure that your question gets through to us. Uh, if you prefer using Twitter, uh, just attach the hashtag TwipWed to your post and we'll keep an eye out for your posts there. And uh, a couple other places we hang out, uh, Instagram, we're at TwipWed. And we also have a Facebook group, which is at facebook.com groups slash TwipWed. So without further ado, let's uh, let's jump into it. And uh, like I said, off the top of the show this week, uh, we're going to talk about finding inspiration. And I think, you know, getting and staying inspired, it's, it's something that a lot of creatives probably struggle with at certain times, you know, during their career or, you know, even at certain times during the year. Um, I know, you know, like whether it's the kind of the beginning of wedding season when we're, we're maybe all a little bit out of practice or maybe when we're knee deep, like in wedding season, like like we are now. I don't know about you, Brian, but I'm knee deep in it right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you can get to that point where you start to feel maybe a little burned out. You know, getting and staying inspired is something, you know, probably we all have to deal with at some some point in time. Totally. So we're going to chat about that today. And then after that, I want to segue and chat a little bit about your experiences shooting mirrorless and how maybe that's impacted you. And if you found new inspiration from shooting mirror, mirrorless of kind of the tools that are out there today, we always, you know, we always say gear doesn't matter, but sometimes gear does matter, right? And it, it yeah. opens up new, new, uh, you know, new areas and new things that we hadn't thought of or, or tried before. So yep. we'll chat a little bit about that as well. But um, let's start, let's start the conversation where, um, do you, first off, do you struggle with, you know, you've been at this for a while now. This is how many years have you? been at this i'm in my 10th year right now you're in your 10th year so yep. do you find yourself 
have you, are you like inspired every day and, and get out there or do you find yourself struggling sometimes to, to be inspired? Well, I, certainly, inspired? I certainly don't wake up with a camera in my hands ready to go photograph something pretty. So yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the thing that um, is hard for us as creatives to get over is we get into photography because we love photography. We've talked about this many times. But then as soon as it becomes a job, something that you're getting paid to do, something that you have to do for someone else, it's sometimes no longer a fulfillment of your own creative juices, right? So all of a sudden now you're having to do it for somebody else and mm-hmm. and it becomes a job, not in a bad way, but it becomes something that you have to do. You don't have a choice. You're maybe having to do th- something in a way that, you know, you wouldn't do it necessarily for yourself, but you've got to do it for a client. So I think it's totally natural for photographers to get to that place where where they're feeling uncreative or they're feeling unfulfilled or they're feeling like they're not doing everything that they love to do. So I just like the idea of like in this kind of conversation, because I've actually, I've, I've done back when I first started with Fuji um, shooting with them, it, it completely changed how I saw things as a photographer. And I went on this sort of stint of speaking and talking and writing about what that did. And I always sort of start by just acknowledging uh, to photographers to say, it's okay if you feel that way because everyone gets that way. Um, mm. You just have to figure out what are those little things you can do to kind of pull you out of that rut or pull you out of that plateau. And so that's sort of the approach I like to take. Yeah, that's great because it is. it can be a very solitary existence being yeah. a photographer for a lot of us. I think, you know, there are some that, that are fortunate to work in, in a studio situation and maybe they have people around them. You know, you've got coworkers and stuff around you there, right? With this, with all the sprout stuff going on and you yeah. have a, an office manager that looks after things. So you, you kind of have somebody there to bounce ideas off. But I, th- yep. you know, I think a lot of photographers are kind of those solopreneurs um, mm-hmm. who are, you know, alone at their office or at their, at their home or wherever it is that they work coffee shop or whatever. And it can be a bit of a lonely existence too. Right. So mm-hmm. that can tend to get people a little bit in that rut and, and get down. And then they, and then they start to see stuff. I think for me, one of the big things I see a lot of creatives struggle with, particularly nowadays with social media, is there's there's this high pressure on it, it feels like anyway that there's this high pressure to always be putting out this amazing work and everybody's always kind of comparing themselves to everybody else that's out there because it's so easy to do nowadays right you've yeah. got Instagram and you've got blogs and you've got websites and you've got you know all these amazing resources out there so now this this you know great amazing imagery gets spread all the time. Right. So you're constantly bombarded by it. And it's really easy, I think, to, to then start to do the comparative thing, right. Where you're sort of comparing yourself to what, you know, what else is out there. Right. And then starting to feel kind of like, you know, maybe you don't, you're not, you don't have the chops. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this, this, you know, your work sucks. Right. And then you kind of get dragged down into that pit of kind of the pit of despair. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, to get out of that and stay inspired. And, you know, when you don't have people around you. So, one of the, you know, and I, I struggle with that. I find that that's something that I struggle with every, you know, every week. I, you know, I'm always looking and going, geez, like I see all this great work out there and I see all these other amazing photographers. And so I find one of the things I've, uh, that's helped me is I've actually stopped. I've sort of cut back on the amount of photography blogs that I follow. Yeah. Particularly those in my local area. I mean, I, I see their stuff pop up on Facebook and whatnot because we're friends. But when I was when I was first starting out in in photography, I went to blogs for a lot of inspiration. Yeah. And it was and I followed a lot of local photographers because I just sort of figured that was a good way to kind of get to know the local community and kind of build my network. Um, 
But what I found is that I, that was impacting me. It was influencing my work. So I, to break out of that, I've stopped kind of reading other people's blogs. Have you found that? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't really paid attention to, it was funny. I haven't paid attention to the photography industry from like a photographic standpoint for years and years and years. Because again, I just found like what you're saying, it, like you either start to um, move towards those trends of what you're seeing, you start to lose your own creative energy because you get perhaps, you know, um, you feel down by it, right? Like the whole, like you start to chase something that someone else is after, or you also could start to become like a me too photographer in the sense that, oh, well, they're doing this style of photography and that's really cool and that's really trendy. I want to do that too. Oh, but this photographer is doing this thing and, and I want to do that too. And then you just start trying to do everything and you don't really ever end up having a voice that's your own. Right. You spread yourself too thin because you're chasing all the, you know, what you think is, is cool because right. everybody else is doing exactly. it. And it might not necessarily be, you know, it might not even necessarily be what's what's selling or what's bringing in business, right. right? It just, it might look cool. It might be different. Like, I think a perfect example, and we have to go back a little ways, but if you look at the trend of selective color, mm. right? Or spot coloring, right? There was a, there was a time where everybody thought that that was, that was cool and everybody right. was chasing that trend, but, you know, clients seemed to like it, but. Again, if you if that wasn't your thing, but you started incorporating it into your work, it really was kind of watering down your own your right. own style. I think just to sort of for what to what end, right? Just well, and, and I think the thing is too is like I think when we when you look at a photographer that is hyper focusing and has a very refined style, they they do just that one thing. But then if you go in and start to get inspiration from them, but then you're also getting inspiration from you know, 10 other people that are doing the same thing, but in different spaces, then all of a sudden you're now not really having a succinct voice, right? Like you, a great example that I can think of that happened not that long ago, it was a few years ago, uh, Jesh Rocks. he had his whole beloved movement, right? Where he mm -hmm. was really teaching and inspiring photographers to create images that had deeper meaning. And it was all about connection. And there was, you know, like uh, a very emotive imagery, right? So a lot of photographers kind of moved towards that because they were inspired by that. But at the same time, Photographers were saying, well, I also love what, you know, this photographer is doing with their boudoir photography. And I also love the posing that this photographer does with their family portraits. And I love what this photographer does with their details and all these like over posed details for, you know, styled shoots and stuff. So all of a sudden you've got this photographer that's drawing inspiration and trying to copy what Jesh does, what this photographer does, what that photographer does, what this photographer does. And you end up having this mixed bag and you're not really having, you're not really standing for anything because you're kind of just trying to do everything. So I think that is sort of where that sort of like drawing inspiration from our own industry. I think that's where it could lead you if you're not careful to check yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be like going into like a house that's had like 10 different designers design it. Right. And every, yeah. everybody had a different style. So you had somebody that was country chic and they designed the kitchen. And then you had somebody that right. was ultra modern that designed the family room. And then somebody right. else that was like, you know, uh, 70s um, design for the bedroom. And you walk yeah. in this house going like, what, what, what is What's this house? Going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I think inherently in this, there's something, um, have you, do you, are you familiar with the author Todd Henry? Uh, no, I'm not. So he wrote a book um, called Louder Than Words. He's written, written a couple books, but his most recent one was called Louder Than Words. Um, it's all about creating a voice for yourself as a creative. And in it, he talks about one thing, and I thought this is perfectly describes our industry. It's called the aspirational gap. And basically what it says is where you want to be is always sort of separated from where you currently are. 
And if you don't have that separation, if you don't have that gap between where you're, what you're striving for and what you're currently doing, then you'll end up dying as, as a creative because you're not really looking to achieve something. You're not really looking to grow. It's that gap that makes us grow. And as soon as we close the gap, the gap just opens up again because we want something new. Mm. Right. And it's like you can, you can see this in the growth sort of trajectory of any photographer. They start out and they just want to make images with pretty bokeh. Right. And then right. once they yep. get that, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, this lighting is like interesting. I want to learn lighting better. And then once they learn that, they're like, I really got to focus on my posing. And then when they do that, they want to refine something. And when they do that, they want to do something more. And we're always striving for something more, which is great. That keeps us fueled to grow. Um, but I think the very nature of that existing is what sometimes makes photographers feel um, uncreative or makes them feel like they're not as good as somebody else because they're always comparing themselves to the top of that gap. Um, but you have to do that if you want to try and strive for it and grow towards it, but you shouldn't be judging yourself based on that. Yeah. So comparison is good because it gives you, you know, it can spark and give you ideas and right. things. Cause like we all, we all say, you know, everybody says that, you know, Oh, you're a photographer, you're a creative, but what does that really mean to be a, to be a creative? Cause there are times when I sit back and I go, I don't feel very creative. Like mm. I know I create, things but there's there are times when and we have to be like they you know at a wedding on a wedding for example you kind of have to be like creative on the spot like creative on demand right. right and that's that's really difficult like creativity i think comes you know a lot of times comes from those moments of being quiet and reflective and mm. and stopping and slowing down right and but a wedding is not like that a wedding is like rushed and hurried and right. and, and, you, and it's like okay now you gotta just on demand be creative okay right. like <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's it's it's a difficult thing right yeah so for I, sure i find I, I struggle with that and there are times where i sit back and go well maybe i'm maybe i question maybe i'm not a creative right is a photographer a creative if mm -hmm. if say say a documentary style photographer for example where you're not actually creating anything you're but you're capturing moments as they're happening is that is that the same as say like a painter who's taking a blank canvas and then creating something that's interesting i mean i think I think anyone that is using their or, or if they if they have a specific voice and they're standing for something and they're using their vision to make something like I sort of consider that a creative right if like and mm -hmm. that that could be whether you're a photographer whether you're a musician some woodworkers right if they if they've just if they get into a state of flow and then use their background and vision and whatever to like make something unique I feel like that's like the definition of a creative in my opinion anyways but I think I think one of the things that you're saying um is that for photographers and and you know many professions that are in the creative space we have to be creative like in an instant, right? It's not like yeah. we can just, we can just create at, at will. Like you might, you know, I'm feeling inspired. So I'm going to go create like, no, it's like, I got a portrait session at six o'clock tonight. I've got to be able to create. I have to be able to, to make <laughs> yeah. on demand in that moment. So how do we do that? Right. That's sort of the question. Yeah. I mean, and there are, there are photographers out there who do create, who it's a process, right? right. Where they're like, I think of like Renee Robin, for example, right. who's, a, who's a great photographer here in Edmonton. Um, you know, she, she's, she's uber creative and right. she spends, you know, she photographs the backgrounds and the models and then right. she spends hours and hours and hours in Photoshop, right. you know, compositing and create, like really creating something out of, right. you know, out of nothing. Right. right. Uh, so that's a very different type of photography. Yeah. But I guess I would say that those that are that are paid to create on their own time and in their own way 
are the 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 you know large minority <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like they they are like unless you've really achieved that level of success and recognition and sort of notoriety um only then will you will you be able to make a living as and i guess that's that's maybe where my distinction is like i'm talking about making a living as a photographer yeah those that make a living as a photographer most of the time they're called to create on demand there are those like Renee who who have you know really stepped up their game and stood out in a specific niche that they are being paid to create on their own on their own sort of um, in their own way, right? So I think uh, I, I think what one of the things I like to sort of think about um, when talking about this, I think a lot of the times photographers feel they get to like a creative plateau, right? I guess maybe that's what we're talking about, right? Is like mm-hmm. they get to a place where they just feel like they're uninspired. And so how do we sort of break out of that? Right. And, yeah. and, and like, when I think about the idea of a, of a plateau, um, I've drawn a parallel previously when speaking on this topic to like a training plateau for like, you know, bodybuilders and mm-hmm. people that are trying to lose weight or exercise or whatever, they hit training plateaus. Um, and, and, you know, that basically means that they're, they're not progressing forward. They're not moving forward. They've kind of hit this bit of a, of a roadblock and they're not able to push past it. And if you do some research into that space, because that's a really heavily researched space, I think the creative space maybe isn't quite so uh, in-depth in its background or the science behind it. But if you look at the, the workout space, the science is clear. And if you want to break through a training plateau, there's, uh, at least from what I've found, there's four main methods to do it. One is to change what you're doing, like change the routine. So instead of doing you know chest press, do something else or whatever. Change yeah. the the weights, the way that you're doing it. Um, change how often you're doing it. You know, some bodybuilders will go three times a day every day of the week, and they're saying, well, if you want to break out of that, then go one day every other day or one, once a day every other day. Right. Just change, change the frequency, frequency right? Kind yeah. of change that up. Um, another way to get out of a training plateau is to plan for a period of rest. So like, just give yourself a break and like, and remove yourself from it for a little bit. And then you'll kind of come back freshened up and with a whole new perspective on it. Um, And then the fourth one would be like trying something new, like trying a whole new method of exercising. If you're, if you're a bodybuilder, then try doing cardio. If you do cardio normally, try doing CrossFit, like try doing something totally new just to kind of shake up the way that you look at what you're doing. So like those are, from what I found, the four main ways to break out of a training plateau. And I think that when you look at that, I think that all four of those can easily be brought over to the creative space. Yeah. I love right? that. So it's yeah, like if, if you want to That's break great. out of your creative plateau, then you could try doing that, like change your routine. So like, what are you doing? If you're normally just shooting every Saturday, all day that's what you're doing well then do something different try something new like try doing boudoir photography try doing something else or plan a creative shoot do something for yourself that's not what you're used to doing change your routine change yeah. the change the frequency right like if you're normally shooting once a week plan a week and go and shoot every single morning at sunrise just just do something different and change that frequency or plan a period of rest maybe just put the camera down and and you know relax for a little bit and mm-hmm. get out of the space and then that way when you come back you're re-energized or try a new technique and that's where you know my my idea of try a whole different approach to photography mirrorless photography try film like what why do we think that film photography has all of a sudden seen this uprising i think in a way it's because the vintage thing has come back but i think in another way it's because it's new it's different Mm -hmm. and it creatively inspires people it gets people to slow down yeah it gets them to be more contemplative with their shots exactly they're not just you know banging away on the on the digital and you know firing off thousands of shots they have to be they have to really think about it they have to be deliberate and and it gets them to slow down and then then they can go back to digital 
right? Still, and maybe right. you take that take and that they bring that approach, new perspective, right? That, that perspective. So that was like so. you know method number four. Like they tried a new technique or like a method, right? So I think I think that's like an interesting sort of framework to 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 look at how you can break out of feeling uninspired or feeling like you're in a creative plateau. Yeah, that's great. That's some really good advice. Um, let's let's give out some tips, some some yeah. things people could do. So I, here's one. I'll, I'll throw one. We'll kind of back and forth a few. Let's do it. So, for example, if you're an all natural light photographer and there's a lot of them out there, um, go out and try shooting with just with just flash or studio strobes. Mm-hmm. Try doing some shooting like that, and that you know you might you might find you know you might surprise yourself. That's an example of something. Brian, what do you got? Yeah, I love it. Oh, okay. So I, I would say like whatever type of photography you do. So let's just say that you're a wedding photographer because you're listening to, to this week in photography weddings. Yeah. <laughs> um, go try and do something completely different. Go out and do street photography, right? Mm-hmm. Just go in a day and, and commit yourself to like, I'm going to do street photography today. Or go out and say, you know what? I'm going to uh, go and document a festival. And just do some like candid documentary type type photography, or go and say I'm going to go and do some architecture photography and photograph my city for the day, or just do something different. Force yourself into a different style of photography because mm-hmm. not only will it breathe life and new creativity into you, but it'll also oftentimes influence the photography that you do for a living, right? So as a wedding photographer, think about it. As a wedding photographer, we have to do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got to do still life. We've got to do documentary. We've got to do family portraits. We've got to do boudoir landscape. sometimes, <laughs> landscape, landscape, architecture, fashion. fashion. Like we got to do all those things. So if you can go and focus on one of those things, if you can focus on really honing your macro photography game and go and do some beautiful still lifes or some some insects or some flowers or whatever, right? Go and do some macro photography. That'll probably make you a better wedding photographer because now you can do better details and rings and jewelry and things like that so force yourself out of what you normally do and try something completely different yeah i love that advice that's great advice i've you know i've certainly done that um you know i've shot some done some landscape photography and i've i went and did a fashion photography um experience in new york which had nothing to do with weddings whatsoever but a lot of that came you know the posing and and the lighting and all of that still came into play and i was able to sort of bring some of that back in and in incorporated into the wedding work that right. we do so yeah i love that suggestion that's great love it um over to you over to me um <laughs> trying just you know we always say gear doesn't you know isn't everything but trying a different a new piece of gear right mm. um and trying it not necessarily on the wedding day because i know a lot of people go out and they say oh i'm gonna get this new thing they go out and they get this new thing and then they bring it with them on the wedding day and they try it maybe once and then it doesn't work because they're under like a time crunch or time pressure. And then they then they throw it in their bag and they cast it off and they never use it again. Um, I think the key is you got to go out and use these things outside of those pressures of the of the wedding day right. and get really comfortable using them and see how they work. Um, I was recently at a Canada Photo Convention in Vancouver um, and... It's going to, I'm going to mess the name up. I want to say it was Sam Hurd. Okay. That does the, with all the, he brings in different gadgets and things and he's doing lately. The thing he's doing is um, shooting through like a little piece of pipe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it Sam? Yeah. I think that? it's Sam. Yeah. I think it's Sam. I, I could be getting that wrong, but um, so he uses this little piece of uh, just piece of pipe and he shoots through it to get this really cool, like flare effects. Right. And things like that. But I could see a lot of photographers saying, oh, I'm going to do that at my next wedding. And they go, they get a piece of pipe and they bring it with them and they try it and it doesn't work. And they go, ah, I can't do it. And they throw it away. Right. Right. And they never, they never come back. So I think the key of prisms, that was another one, you know, a popular one. People were shooting with prisms, different, like, 
you know, things. Right. You know, uh, I'm not a big proponent of, of those things, but if, you know, if done right, they can look really good. But right. I think try them outside of the pressures of a wedding day and, and get comfortable with them and see if you like it. You might not like it. Right. Love it. Um, you know, it's actually funny. Something that you mentioned there. I remember taking a workshop with David Beckstead uh, maybe about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he's known for is just the way that he uses video lights in a really like uh, dynamic way. Like it's totally different than than how you'd normally see it. And after taking his workshop, what he does is he actually just uses like, you know, flashlights or or an actual Lowell video light or an ice light or whatever. And he'll shoot them through things. And he'll mm-hmm. literally just get like, oh, look, there's a coaster over there. Oh, look, there's like a piece of tissue paper or he'll get like uh like toys from his children and like shoot them through things or like bounce them off of things to create interesting shadows and colors and effects and all that Mm -hmm. and just that concept like what you're saying right is like try something new like that like that's you wouldn't think to try that otherwise but it might just help breathe some passion into what you're doing or something different to you know and, and i think the thing is that with that is like try it see what works see what doesn't work but i think the main point is that you're trying things yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, going out and trying things. Yeah. I'll go uh, okay. one more. So, so what was oh, that? No, oh, I, was, I was gonna say I've got yeah, just um imply limitations on yourself. Because mm. I think that if you imply limitations on how you shoot, um you'll you'll find a way to be creative otherwise. So for example, if you normally love your 70 to 200, force yourself to shoot with a 24 mil 1.2. And, and go out there and, and just only bring that one camera with you mm. or that one lens with you on a shoot. Obviously, you may not want to do this on an actual paid shoot, but, you know, set up a shoot and say, on this shoot, I'm only bringing this lens. Or on this shoot, I'm doing every single shot with flash. Or on this shoot, I'm not using a flash because I normally do flash all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, force yep. those kinds of limitations on yourself to see how you can kind of get outside of that box that you may have unknowingly put yourself in. Right. Yeah, I love that. That's a great suggestion. That was actually going to be my suggestion was to do the lens thing where you just go out, limit yourself to just one lens. Right. Uh, you know, whatever it is, a 50, 100, 100 millimeter macro, go out and just shoot everything with that. Right. For example, give yourself that as an, as an exercise and see how you do. I find when I'm, when I'm second shooting in particular, because you have a little bit more latitude when you're second right. shooting as opposed to main shooting. Sometimes I'll give myself, not not fully, like I'll, you know, I'll live outside of those limits when you know when it makes sense but there are times when i'll say you know i on on our regular wedding days i don't shoot a lot with my 85 when i'm second shooting i'm going to try shooting a lot today with my 85 and just see what i come up with and then look at those images afterwards and sometimes i find hey i really love what i'm getting with my 85 i'm going to start shooting with my 85 a bit more during the, the wedding day Right. So sometimes we get these things in our bag that we try and then we forget about them for a while. And it's fun to pull those back out. So I've done right. that when I'm second shooting is tried to that, that lim- putting that limit on myself and just shooting with, you know, one or two lenses right. instead of what I normal my normal go to of my 24 to 70 and my 7200. I try to break out of that a little bit and love it and shoot a little bit more with that. So, okay, so cool. I have one more that I okay. think might lead us into an interesting conversation about mirrorless. Are you ready to go into that or do you want to hold hold that for a bit? Let's. Let, I have one other thing okay. that I wanted to ask we'll come you about back to ins- then. inspiration, and then we'll, and, yep. then we'll, and then we're going to come back to that because I think that's a, that's that'll be a good a good segue. But I wanted to ask you, sort of outside of outside of like photography, obviously we can draw a lot of inspiration from other photographers, and you know we can go and, and see speakers, and there's a lot of other resources. Where where else do you go for inspiration, and what do you find outside of photography is your biggest source of inspiration in terms of your of your wedding photography? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um... I'm going to let you answer first while I think about it. Cause I want to think about that. Cause I think it's 
it's interesting, and I'm actually struggling to think of what that answer is as I as I'm put on the spot. I'll, yeah, I'll pass I, to you and then come back to me. I I, I'm, I have two, and one okay. of them is going to be my one of my pick of the week, sort of. But for me, I, a lot of movies, mm. you know, movies and music. Okay. To me, I, I get a lot of inspiration from movies and music. So I'll and and my wife hates this when I watch a movie now because I can't watch a movie without commenting or talking about how it's lit or how it's <laughs> how it's shot or right. composition right? right and she's just like shut up and watch the movie <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i'm like but it's so but there's good, such good lighting right? right so for me when i'm now when i'm i find when i'm watching movies right or listening to music i find music really kind of gets me inspired mm. um and gets me you know puts me in a place where i can create so Often, when obviously on a wedding day, it's, it's difficult. But when I'm doing a shoot at the studio, for example, if I'm doing a creative shoot at the studio, I'll have music playing in the background that's kind of appropriate for the for the mood. But it definitely uh, helps. I find uh, you know I get I get inspired when I'm at the wedding and there's music playing. Particularly like this last weekend, I second shot a wedding, um, and uh, the beautiful moment between the bride and the groom and their first dance song. And I'd never heard this first dance song before. It was like a totally new song to me, and it just it changed my mood because i was like what is this song i actually mm. had partway through shazammed it because i was like what is this song it's so good <laughs> but i i felt inspired and it really kind of then i really wanted to dig in and 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 get the emotion going on in their in their first dance just because of the music that was playing so music and movies i find really kind of draw some inspiration from from those things for sure interesting okay i think um it's funny because for me, I actually, when initially I had two things come up and I was like, does, does those make sense? And and I've, I've now thought about it a little bit. So I'll give you, I'll give you two of them. Um, one, and I think, I don't know if, you know, this, this might be simple. This might not be, you know, simple depending on, on your situations and stuff. But for me, I know that I find, um, I find an inspiration from my children in a really weird way, right? In, in the sense that if you look at a child, um, a child is curious, they explore they're interested. They sort of move ahead with things without really necessarily sometimes thinking about yeah, no it. No fear, right? right? There's no go. fear. There's no hesitation. They kind of just act. They kind of just do without really thinking of consequences. And I think sometimes um, as creatives, we don't have that same um, ability to act, ability to do, ability to be curious as much as we should. And I think sometimes being around my children helps me feel that way. Kind of helps me feel like a child, and it helps inspire me to see things differently as a photographer mm, yeah so it kind of, of no sorry go a good ahead. point it kind of, yeah that kind of that gets that that um, ability to just explore and be a little bit carefree it yeah. kind of gets pounded out of us as we get you know as we totally, go along right yeah. like life totally. kind of pounds that out of you because you're taught yep. you know oh, don't take risks and yep right so well and if you look at like the very core of what all of those kind of you know hesitation what all of that stems from that all stems from fear and if you look at a child, like a child has no fear. Fear is something that they learn, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. So as creatives, we are operating under something that in and of itself, uh, you know, limits our ability to be creative and to express ourselves. So I think that if we can learn to kind of push past that or, or to get away from that, it, it will, it will inspire and influence our photography. Yeah. In the I watched that we are. the other day with uh, Tony Robbins. He talks a mm, lot about fear and, totally, and just, yeah. you know, he wakes up every day and just gets over the, whatever the fear is, he just gets yep. over it. Yep. Um, totally. You know, so totally. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. I like that. Love it. And I had a second one and now I'm totally 
So what you're saying is I need to get some kids? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. And if you don't have, you know, one, go go borrow a friend's or something Just like that. Just go borrow a friend's kid. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and I can't think of the second now. It's Oh, um, being, being sort of introspective. I think uh, for me as a writer and as like uh, as a speaker, like because I teach photography and, and write about photography, um, I've spent a lot of time writing like thinking about things and taking something and breaking it down and really um, giving like I've, I've spent more time thinking in the last couple of years, having, having been teaching and writing for photographers than I probably have in the last 10 years. And that's really helped me be more self-aware and um, be, be able to sort of do things that I otherwise wouldn't have thought I could do. And, and I think I went through an exercise maybe two and a half years ago um, of, of looking at, asking myself the question, what inspires me to be a photographer? Like, why am I a photographer? Right. And cause I was, it was in the process of just, you know, rejigging my style. It was around the time that I was you know really inspired from shooting mirrorless. And I was just thinking like, why am I doing what am I, am I doing? And how can I best communicate that to the world um, through my photography? And it just, it, I got to a place for a few weeks where I was just thinking about it and, and writing things down and saying like, what do I love about photography? What do I love about what I capture? What do I love about how I can help people? And I just thought about it and it really helped me get a clear vision and to realign with sort of uh, my purpose as a photographer. And that, that inspired me. So I think that is like being introspective might be a good way to um, remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. That's because because point. when you get in the churn, right, when you get in the grind of everything, it's just so easy to go through the motions. Mm-hmm. But if you have that, that sort of like thread that you can realign yourself with um, to remind yourself of what, of, of, you know, what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. I think that can help you push past, you know, a difficult time or the busy times and still be creative. Yeah. Cause you look at a lot of other, like you look at a lot of other creatives, like writers, for example, right. They, they will oftentimes kind of seclude themselves off in a mountain cabin somewhere and just have that time to just right. reflect and yeah. think. Cause it's the, it's oftentimes it's in those quiet in between moments is where we're, creative right that's where the creativity often comes from but these days we've got so many it's so easy to to not be quiet like not let your mind be quiet because we've Mm -hmm. got so many distractions right everybody's got i'm holding up my phone now for everybody's looking everybody's got one of those with them right 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 and when people have that that quiet moment instead of taking the quiet moment they're pulling out their phone and they're checking snapchat and facebook and and so their mind is constantly constantly going right Right. and they're not giving it that time to just slow down and you know, Breathe, allow the creativity yeah. to kind of just happen. Be. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I like that idea of kind of just being right. And, and yep. giving yourself time to be introspective and, and to think yep. about things. I think that could help for inspiration as well. Cool. Cool. Let's take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors for this episode. And then we'll pick up the conversation when we come back. This episode of Twip Weddings is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks, all new version of their cloud accounting software has been redesigned from the ground up and custom built to transform how freelancers and small business owners deal with their day to day paperwork. I think we can probably all agree as wedding photographers that, you know, accounting is one of the, one of our least favorite activities, but uh, FreshBooks has created a super intuitive tool that makes it really easy to create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Uh, There's no formatting. There's no formulas to worry about. Just really simple, clean and professional looking. Um, You can add your own logo, color scheme, so that your invoices reflect your brand. And when you send out an invoice, FreshBooks can show you if your client has seen it. So no more excuses that the client never got the invoice. 
Um, you can set up online payment uh, with just a few clicks and get paid up to four days faster. Uh, they're super, they've got a handy deposit feature, so it allows you to invoice for a payment upfront when you're kicking off a project. So if you're booking a shoot or booking a wedding and you want to take a retainer from a client, super easy. Uh, your clients are going to appreciate being able to pay by credit card right, uh, right off the invoice. So it makes it nice and easy on clients. We've talked about customer experience. That's a great customer experience to deliver to your customers. Uh, FreshBooks also, uh, they've revealed uh, some other features to help keep you organized and streamline your, you know, the business side of things as a freelancer, a small business owner. Uh, they've got a redesigned dashboard in the new version. So it's designed to sort of curate and answer the most important question. How is my business doing? Just know at a glance, you know, what do you owe, what's overdue, uh, and whether you're in the red or in the black. Uh, the notification center works as your personal assistant. So it tells you kind of what's changed in your business since your last login and what should be dealt with, like overdue invoices. Uh, FreshBook also automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing clients down for money, which is always great. Uh, you can also take pictures of receipts on your phone using the FreshBooks iOS app. Uh, FreshBooks will also handle your time tracking. So when it comes time to create an invoice, you'll know what you did when you did it. So get ready uh, to experience the simplest way to be more productive and get organized. Most importantly, get paid quickly. So FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com weddings and enter weddings in the how did you hear about us section Start your free 30-day trial today. We thank FreshBooks for their support of TWIP Weddings. Now let's, okay, so that's a good segue. So let's let's segue then into, we talked about, you know, trying different tools or trying different techniques. So you you switched over, not fully, right? You still shoot a combination yep. of, of, of SLRs and yep. mirrorless systems. So you switched over to Fuji how long ago? A few years ago? Uh, yeah, it was 2013. It was uh, October. So Okay. And yep. so what I'm, prompted you? To, to switch were you feeling a little bit in a rut and why 100 yeah totally so, so i i had gotten to a place then uh, i mean i so i got into photography it was 10 years ago now at the time it was seven years ago and i quickly adapted and learned photography and got i got through the normal sort of you know like onboarding of becoming a photographer very quickly mm-hmm. and then very shortly thereafter i i really fell in love with business and that's why i've always been a big business guy teaching business and having a real passion for that space which is so creative kind of, too which which in and of itself is creative right it is so, yeah. I, so i found this great passion there and focused a lot of my energy and attention on running the best business as i possibly could and i let i i didn't go on autopilot from a creative perspective but i I learned what I could do. I knew that I was good at what I was doing and I let that just just be. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't force myself into a space to be more creative or to try new things or anything like that. I kind of just just was fine. And I was getting awards, I was getting recognition, I was charging good prices and people were loving my photography. So I was like getting validation for it all. So I was like, okay, like I don't Seems I don't to need working. to break out. This is yeah. working great for me. Um so a couple of years ago, uh in October of 2013, I went to a workshop with David Beckstead. And David Beckstead um was shooting with this little tiny mirrorless camera, the Fuji X-E1. It was the original. And um, he let me look through it because he was talking about how he loves the black and whites and blah, blah, blah. And he let me look through it. And the moment I looked through it, I was like, this is different. Mm -hmm. This is a different way to look at things. And the reason it was different is because with a mirrorless camera, you're looking at an electronic viewfinder, meaning that you're actually looking at the finished image in the viewfinder as you're making it. 
Right. That's completely different than what we're used to and what I was used to with SLRs, where we're looking through a mirror and we're just looking through the lens. And then you take the picture and then review it in the back and then you see the finished image. Right. With a mirrorless camera, you see the finished image as you're making the image. Right. Exposure, color, balance, everything. So he shot in black and white. So he's literally seeing the world in black and white, black and white. as he's photographing. And having just looked through the lens and looking through using that camera for like five minutes, I was like, this is different. This has immediately inspired something in me just to see the world because it literally like literally and figuratively like forced me to see differently because i'm now mm. seeing with exposure with black and white applied as i'm looking at at a model in front of me mm. so that moment um sprung me to act and i, and I literally went home bought, bought a fuji xe one and uh it's been love ever since and for those reasons right of of forcing me to see differently um, it, it has made me a better photographer. It's, it's, it got me back into that creative space that I didn't really pay much attention to for a long time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I've heard that very similar, uh, sentiment echoed from other photographers. I think Robert also mentioned it when yep. he kind of made the transition, you know, with the Sony, uh, with the Sony right. systems. And again, that, that whole mirrorless it's again, we say gear isn't important, but gear can, like you say, gear can change your perspective and it can change the way you see things. Right. So, so I have, I have a pretty, I have a, I have a strong thought on that because initially when I was in that space and, and, and this is me in a place now that I'm finally rediscovering some, some things about how I looked at things back then. Cause I, I went through a stint. I wrote on digital photography school.com. Uh, our friend Darlene, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is the editor over there. I wrote an article. It was called 10 reasons why a pro is using a mirrorless camera for personal and paid jobs to date. It's got 46,000 shares on social media. Wow. It, it has gone crazy. It has sparked a lot of discussion. I went on this stint where I thought it was mirrorless photography itself that inspired me. To, to change. And at the time it was, right? But I look back at it now and in a way, and again, I'm still trying to figure this out myself, but in a way, mirrorless photography is not inspiring me anymore. Or it hasn't it doesn't inspire me now like it did back then. And I'm trying to figure out why. And again, I'm still I'm going I'm literally like as we speak, I'm going through this. And I think it's because it wasn't mirrorless itself that inspired me. It was the pattern interrupt that inspired mm. me. It was the mm. change that inspired me. Okay. Because so it, wasn't it was different. It, it was wasn't di- the tool. Different. And it was funny because back then I said like, oh no, like mirrorless, like this is, this will change you. This will this, and this will, it's a whole new way to look at the world. It's this, it's that. And it is, it is like the tool itself forced a pattern interrupt. It forced a change in perspective. So, so in, in an indirect way, it was the tool. It was the camera that inspired me, but looking at it now, I, I need something new again. You know what I mean? It could have like been I need, something, yeah. I, and, and, and so that's where I'm trying to figure out where am I now and how do I now get inspired? Because now I'm almost like using my Nikon is kind of getting me, getting me jazzed up again because it shoots differently than, than what I'm used to. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, just every three or four years, you just have just to go change back, it back up, and right? forth. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess that's the challenge, right? Like if we're talking about breaking out of a creative plateau and having that pattern interrupt or trying something different, how do we get ourselves to do that without literally like completely switching gears every, every three or four years? Yeah. Cause that gets um, and, expensive. And that's <laughs> what I'm trying to figure out right now. But I think that for most photographers that haven't tried mirrorless, mirrorless in and of itself is a change in perspective. It's a change in technique. It's a change in method. It is a pattern interrupt. It forces you to think differently. Mm-hmm. So for, for many people, switching to mirrorless or trying mirrorless will inspire and influence your photography positively without question. Very but I think cool. we got to find that thing that 
So what what keeps us going in that direction or what keeps us inspired? Because then mirrorless, like where I'm at, mirrorless then just becomes the norm. Like seeing right. that way is now the norm. I'm no longer seeing differently. <laughs> I'm used to it. Yeah. So, so you know, h- how do we find, and that's where I said I'm literally in this space where I'm, I don't know how I feel about this, you know, yeah. but I just think that that change in perspective is what, what people need to thrive, to strive for, to, to get them out of the rut they might currently be in. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. That's a good, uh, and again, try just trying new things. It might be a whole new system, like an, going to a mirrorless. If you're right. currently shooting an SLR, maybe try and try out a mirrorless system, or maybe it's trying, um, you know, again, a new t- like tilt shift lenses or something, mm-hmm. something different that like say, does that pattern interrupt that? you know, gets you thinking differently. Lately, right. I've been experimenting a little bit with shooting um, video. Okay. Right. Infusing a little bit of fusion um, video work into the still photography. And I found that that's kind of lit a fire in me and kind of inspired me in, in new ways. Right. And part of that probably comes from watching the movies, right. And having those influence mm-hmm. me because I really like that cinematic s- storytelling of an event. So trying, you know, trying video, if you haven't tried video, it's a fun, you know, all our cameras nowadays are capable of shooting video. So that's something that it's a whole other beast for sure. Um, <laughs> it's a whole other beast. And we did a show a little while ago, you know, um, on, you know, on video yep. um, with Rob Adams. Um, yep. So if you're interested in learning more about video, that's a great show to go back and, and give a listen to. So uh, but there's, I mean, there's so much, the, the great thing, the beauty of thing about what it is that we do is that there's always something new, right? The, the mm-hmm. te- technology keeps evolving. You know, they've got drones, they've got 360 degree cameras now. Um, I saw a thing for this uh, printer the other day that can print holograms like this. I mean, we've got virtual reality stuff coming. Like it's, it's crazy. The world is like, it's never slows down and the technology keeps coming out and there's always new things coming along for us to sort of try and inspire us, but don't, don't get too caught up in that either. Like it's easy to get caught up in that gear, right? Gear acquisition syndrome, trying new things, but definitely, hopefully, hopefully all of these things give people some things to think about and some possible ways to sort of get in, inspired or stay inspired or kind of re-spark, you know, their create their creative spark if it's starting to dwindle a little bit. Love it. Excellent. All right. Well, um let's move on then. I think we should uh what do you think? Let's uh yeah, we've let's got a, we've got a quick listener question here. And it kind of yeah. ties into what we're talking about because it's a little bit of a it's a bit of a technique, I guess, um in a sense and an inspiration. Um so Eddie Hennessy uh posted on our Facebook group and he wanted to get our thoughts on what we thought of the film look kind of in general. So I know the last couple of years kind of that film look, the Visco, the VSCO kind of film look has been very popular if you look at a lot of photographers work you'll see a lot of this sort of filmic look, which has the very kind of crunched up. I guess the best best way to describe it is kind of the crunched up kind of blacks where they're not like contrasty, but they're more matte, kind of a matte feel to it, right? With the grain, that's kind of that film look. What's, uh, how do you feel about the film look? I think it's trendy. Yep. I think it's, um, right now it's hot and it's popular. Yep. Um, my general comment about it, which is probably not the uh, popular comment on it, is that um, back when spot color was popular, everyone yep. thought it looked cool. Yep. <laughs> you know, it was a thing that everyone was doing and it's cool and it's trendy and it's fun. And everyone loved it. But look yeah. back at it now and you're sort of like, that's so gross. Right. And I just am left to wonder, are we going to say that about the film look in right. 15 years from now? You know, it's, it's almost like if you were if you were in a wedding. If you're in a wedding party um, 30 years ago, you could go with the trendy, like 
you know, baby blue top hat, like that whole kind of look with the coattails and all that, the ruffles. And you look back at it now and be like, oh my gosh, that's so like 1970s, right? Um, Or back then they still had like nice plain black tuxedos and you could look back at it now and be like, looks like a pretty classy, Mm -hmm. pretty classy wedding, right? Pretty elegant. It's timeless. So I guess it just depends. Do you want to be trendy or do you want to be timeless? And so I think that's totally a personal decision. I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm not saying anything negative about those that go with the trend, but I just think that you have to be aware because if you go with the trend, by the very nature of trends, you'll have to continue to change with the trend. Otherwise you'll be outdated. So it's just something to be aware of, I guess. Yep. So today's film look could be tomorrow's spot color. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, totally. I mean, I've, I've dabbled with it a little bit cause I do, I like the look. I think it's yeah. a, it's a cool effect. I like the look. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're right. It's, it is something that you don't, I think with any of these trends, like sometimes we'll, we'll dabble in them a little bit. We try to not chase them very right. hard. We try to keep our stuff fairly clean. Timeless, yep. um, is what I'm we tend way. to go for. Right. And, and not chase that, chase that stuff too much. But, yep. um, that's, that's, I, I concur with your feelings on the film look. So. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. So if you have a question for us, we want to hear from you. Uh, just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com and click on the contact us button to send us a message. Uh, you can also submit your questions by emailing us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto uh, or send a tweet using the hashtag twipwed. Or of course, you can also post a question in our Facebook group as well, just like Eddie did. All right. right. Before we bid a sad adieu to one another, uh, we're going to uh, share our picks of the week. Uh, So each episode, uh, we'll share a photography related related item uh, that we think would benefit wedding photographers. Uh, Our picks can be anything as long as they're somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So Brian, what have you got for us this week? Cool. I got something that is sort of very top of mind for me right now because something I just wrote and am really thinking about a lot right now uh, in in teaching photographers. And it's uh, this concept of there are many photographers that quickly achieve success in business, um, whereas there's other photographers who uh, do not. They can just never seem to get traction. And I'm trying to really figure out what is it that differentiates those that can can make a full-time living from photography and those that cannot make a full-time living or never seem to get there. And I believe it's because those that are successful at it are spending their time focusing on the right things. You know, they 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 it's the whole concept of small hinges move big doors, right? If you if you focus on the right things, you can yield big results in your business. Whereas some photographers just kind of spin their wheels doing things that they think are the right things, but they really aren't the right things. So I've been really asking myself, well, how do we figure out what are the right things to focus on? And uh, so I spent a lot of time thinking about that and I wrote an article about it and I ended up making a calculator actually um, for for photographers that they can literally go in and they can almost self-grade or self-rate an opportunity that they're considering pursuing, whether that be going to a workshop or purchasing a new piece of equipment or running a new marketing promotion or doing a wedding show or anything like that. You can, you can sort of grade it on a number of these questions that I've, I've created. And at the end, it will tell you based on your answers, whether it's actually worthwhile or not. And then there's a way, there's ways that you can tweak that opportunity to make it more worthwhile. So it's just a way to sort of be self-aware to make sure that you spend your time focusing on the right things. So that's my pick of the week. It's a selfish one, but I think it's a really great space for photographers to figure out what makes sense. Like where should they focus their time and how can they more or less guarantee their success? And it's by spending the time on the right things. 
Well, that's great because yeah, so, there's so much. There's so like you say, there's so many different ways, oh, places we can spend our time. Thousands of things. Thousands. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So if you go just if you just go to sproutingphotographer.com, sproutingphotographer.com, and then click the calculator button. Um, there's the calculator that I'm talking about here is called the Growth Potential Indicator Score. Cool. Excellent. That's it. We'll, we'll put a link to that for sure. Cool. Well, my pick this week um, are, are, you know, going back to the kind of the in, inspiration and, and creativity um, is a movie, actually two movies. Um, I don't know if you've seen either of these movies. It's uh, Baraka and Samsara. Have you seen either of these uh, films? I haven't seen either of them, no. Oh, okay. So if you've not seen these films, these are two, probably two of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Baraka was photographed in... I'm going to their website here. It said it was shot in 25 countries on six continents. Uh, wow. This was shot back in the, I think that was shot back in the nineties and it was shot on, on a custom built computerized 65 mil camera. Oh and the, the visuals in this movie are, there's no speaking in it at all. Um, but the visuals and the storytelling uh, and it's, it's, it's very meditative. It's almost, it can almost put you in a bit of a trance. Like it's just such stunning, beautiful imagery and it's the mu- combined with the music. It's just if you watch the trailer, you'll be you'll see it and you'll be instantly hooked. So Baraka was the first one, and then they followed it up with a second movie called Samsara, and they go to some of the most beautiful places in the world, and they've captured some the most amazing footage of of, of things happening in the world, and it kind of bounces, it kind of tells a story a little bit. Baraka particularly, it, it's a lot of um, talks a lot about environmental issues, um, kind of where we are as a human race. Uh, it's very without saying a word. It's just all done through visual oh, imagery. Oh, really? Wow! And it's, it's absolutely stunning, and it's one I, I saw this movie years ago when I lived in Japan, and to this day, it's it's a movie that I pull out and I'll watch, you know, at least once a year. It's just really? one of those movies. It's just it's a couple hours long, and it's just stunning. Um, and then Samsara was the follow up one, and again, very so. There's a lot of like it's cool. It's there's time lapse stuff in it there's really cool aerial almost drone like but pre-drone stuff right (laughs) just it's a phenomenal phenomenal um movie so it's um yeah if you have a chance to to see either of these movies they are yeah i just i just watched the trailer without without sound as you were talking about it and it looks phenomenal that's phenomenal and just the lighting and the composition and everything else so i find that that is just i watch that movie like at least once a year both of them they're just spectacular so baraka and samsara are the two movies awesome great pick Excellent. All right. Well, that uh, sadly, that brings us to the end of another episode of Two Whip Weddings. Um, if you're listening on our website, please subscribe to the show using the box over on the right. And be sure to sign up for our email list to be notified of new episodes and to get exclusive subscriber bonuses. Uh, and of course, if you have feedback, suggestions or comments about the show, you can reach us directly by using our contact form. Just click on the contact us menu at the top of the page. So with that, uh, before we close, Brian, where's uh, what are you up to and where can people go if they want to learn more about you? Yeah, uh, up to it's wedding season. So there we are. Um, at the time that we record this, I've actually got my brother's wedding in a couple of weeks. So that'll oh. be kind of fun to, to be on you know the other side of the table. Nice. You're just going as a guest. I am going as uh, the best man, so I am not involved at all from a photography standpoint. You won't have your camera out in the aisle or at the the altar? No, I will not. (laughs) Uh, So that'll be fun. Uh, My daughter's the flower girl, so that's going to be kind of fun just to see her again from a different perspective. So it's nice. Um, Yeah, other than that, just uh, we're doing doing our thing here at Sprout and uh, writing and doing our own podcast over at SproutingPhotographer.com. So if anyone Mm -hmm. wants to find out more of that 
stuff there. Uh, maybe we can even link the article that I wrote that I mentioned, uh, digitalphotographyschool.com, that one. Yeah. Um, and the thing, because it was just an interesting, you know, different perspective on um, why I, why I, you know, uh, switched to mirrorless and sort of how that inspired me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. But uh, spreadingphotographer.com is where you can find everything I do. If you're interested in Sprout Studio, which is our software that users know about or our listeners know about, uh, get sproutstudio.com is where you can find that. If you want to check out my photography, bcapphoto.com. Perfect. Very good. All right. And if you are looking for me, uh, you can find me over at my website, which is momentsindigital.com. Or if you want to find me, most of the social networks, I'm just at Bruce Clark with an E at the end of Clark, um, except for Snapchat, where I'm Bruce Clark 2, because that Bruce, there was already a Bruce Clark on there. So damn bruce clark one that damn bruce that damn bruce clark one that stole my name off to find him so i should follow awesome. him and see what he's up to yeah, you should it might be fun so. <laughs> excellent and of course if you're looking for us be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com for this show and all the other great shows that are part of the twip network and thanks again for listening to twip weddings raising the bar one wedding at a time 